Side Hustle Show 156, how to stand out with words, copywriting tips for side hustlers. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show for your weekly dose of ideas, action, and results toward building a job-free income stream. Today's show is all about the words and the language you use in your communication. Because more often than not, our writing has become our first impression, whether that's in an email, on our website, like our about page, in a product description, or even in um, a Facebook ad, or a, a Craigslist ad, or a freelance job proposal. And so the question is, are your words getting the job done or could they be doing a little bit better? I think I think mine definitely could be and so I'm excited to learn from our guest today. I'm joined by a couple of my favorite people, Mish and Rob Slade from mortifiedcow.com. That's the home base for the copywriting business that they run. They're also living the digital nomad dream coming up on their four-year nomad anniversary, as they'll call it. And uh, Bert and I were actually fortunate enough to cross paths with them in uh, Barcelona for an evening last year. Tons of fun. If uh, you want to learn more about the location-independent side of their business, check out their site at makingitanywhere.com. But all about copywriting today including uh, how you can improve people's attention spans when they're on your site or reading your emails and ultimately turn more readers into customers of yours, right? Um, around the halfway mark of this conversation, we also take a live look at four websites from Side Hustle Show listener volunteers. So stick very brave volunteers. Stick around to uh, hear those because I think there are lots of common takeaways from the analysis and feedback on those sites. You'll find the notes and links from this episode along with a free uh, PDF highlight reel you can download at sidehustlenation.com slash words. Uh, we start off the conversation by talking about some common copywriting mistakes people make. Let's do it. The thing that we find most businesses do, especially on their websites, is that they use the same meaningless phrases and jargon over and over again, and everybody uses them. So they always say, passionate about your success, or going above and beyond, or integrated innovative solutions, all these kinds of the same thing over and over. And it doesn't seem to matter whether it's a web design agency, or a plumbing company, or a printing company, they all say the same things. And so our main thing is avoiding all that sort of stuff. Because the problem is everyone says them, so you're not really setting yourself apart in any way. The other problem is that they mean nothing by themselves. So saying that you're passionate about customer service doesn't really mean that you are actually any good at customer service. The main problem is that you're not really giving your reader reason to think, oh my God, yes, this company stands for what I believe in. I can feel like I'm on the same page as them. I, I like what they stand for and I agree with them and I really, really want to work with them. So our main thing is just avoiding all the same things that everyone else says. What should people do instead? I think the issue is that it's really hard. Like, first of all, like writing something like, say you're writing your homepage for your website, for your business, it's a really hard thing to do because you're really close to it. It's hard to really understand what it is that you are meant to say, what makes you special, what people want to hear. And so when you're really busy, like most small business owners are, you end up just kind of needing to get it done. And so you'll kind of sit down and you'll automatically lapse into the same kind of stuff that you've read everywhere else, or you'll look at like, what your competitors are doing and kind of tweak what they're doing just to get it done. So it's a very easy mistake to make because actually sitting down and working out what you should be saying is a really hard thing to do. But 
it all starts with doing a bit more thinking before you start writing about what it is that you need to say and who you're speaking to. So I guess the, the first thing is to think about who your ideal customer or client would be. So you need to, I guess it's niching down really, you need to figure out who you're for. What are their needs? What do they want to get out of working with you? That sort of thing. So for example, if you're an accountant and you'd like to work with brand new small businesses and solopreneurs, then think about their needs. They're going to be quite nervous. They're not sure what to do. They probably care less about high level tactics. They just want to make sure that they're filling in their tax returns correctly. And they probably want reassurance and a bit of education. So you can sort of target your text to those sorts of people. So a lot of it starts with thinking about who exactly you're for. So it's like, I'm an accountant, but I'm not going to rip you off. I'm going to make sure you get the biggest refund possible and that you're in 100% compliance. Yeah. Say you wanted to target big corporations, then it might be less about reassuring them and that sort of thing. It might be more about high level tax techniques, for example. One example that I saw the other day, somebody pointed me to uh, an email marketing service called Drip and their website is getdrip.com and they're their homepage says, or their big headline is, lightweight marketing automation that doesn't suck. Is that a good headline or or does that tell you enough about what you need to know for this business? It's a good way of drawing you in, I think. It's making it's making a bit of a distinction because it's not saying email marketing for everyone. It's kind of saying, okay, you're looking for something lightweight, so that'll appeal to you if you're looking for something that has some power, but it is not going to overwhelm you with a load of features. And then it says that doesn't suck. It's kind of building a bit of a connection. It's implying that you might have looked at things before that that haven't worked out. And so it doesn't do the job completely. It then needs to lead on to something more concrete about what it is that it does for you and why it doesn't suck. But it's quite a nice way of making clear the kind of thing that it is, who it's for and grabbing your attention. And that's, I think that's the most important thing of all is to grab someone's attention from the word go. Because you know what you're like on the internet. It's like you get like a a fraction of a second to grab someone before they click away to one of the other 20 tabs they've got open. So it's really helpful to, to get into that straight away. And even, you know, on our website, we don't start by saying like, Hey, we're copywriters or something. We start by trying to grab your attention and maybe that doesn't work for everyone. Maybe some people just go, but if that it is for you, then you stick around to see what comes next. Yeah, absolutely. Are there different words that you like or testing that you do to say, okay, we're going to try this uh, headline out versus this, <laughs> like, I don't know, the conversion optimization. <laughs> People are like screaming like, no, you got to do this test. Or <laughs> a few of our clients do quite a bit of split testing. So we often give them different ideas for headlines and often they want an out there headline. And then they also want a slightly tamer, what they would consider safer headline. And I think that the majority of the time they end up going with the more out there one because it keeps people on the page. If you've got an attention grabbing headline that kind of intrigues people and makes them want to read on, then that's a really good thing. So they, they often stick with the one that's a bit wackier. What would be an example of that? This isn't actually from their homepage, but on a client's about page, I can't actually remember what the the slightly more safe starting point was, but it was for a classical pianist. And we ended up going with the introduction started with Donald, Daffy and my grandmother have a lot to answer for. And I can't remember what the other version was, but that's the one they went with because it just it's got nothing to do with piano. It's got nothing to do with him at all. And it just intrigues people and it gets them reading more. And it also it tells you a bit more about that person's personality. The goal of the headline is to get people to read the, the subheadline. The goal of the subheadline is to get people to read, you know, the next, you know, body paragraph and on and on and on exactly. uh, until they 
complete the call to action that you that you want them to do. Exactly. That has nothing to do with pianos. Like, where do you come up with that? When we work with clients, we ask a hell of a lot of questions. So we're on the phone to them for quite a while. I then normally follow up with a ton of questions over email. We ask the most bizarre questions and we just, we just have to tell them to trust us because it usually comes in handy for when we're writing their copy. Like I'd say maybe 60, 70% of what we ask them doesn't ever actually end up on their website or their marketing materials, but it's really good to get as many stories as possible from them, but also to get a really good idea of what they're like so that we can then put that personality on their website. And all of this kind of comes back to like, look, you're not operating in a vacuum. You're not operating a monopoly. Your customers have choices. Why are they going to choose you? Because you're different, right? You got to stand out. And the words you use are one way to do that. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's a bit of a process because before you even start writing, you need to think about, okay, who am I trying to appeal to? What do they care about? And what does make me unique? And then having established that, it's then a case of putting that across in words and showing, not telling. So like, if you decide that your customers care about customer service and that's a strength of yours, then saying, we have great customer service. It doesn't really help because anyone can say that. It doesn't prove anything. And so it's like working in ways of showing that that gets people to get, first of all, get people hooked in and then show them an example of great customer service or some kind of guarantee related to it or about whatever it is, but not making the same old claims that everyone else does and actually kind of getting the person nodding along and thinking, yeah, these, these people get me. They're the kind of people that I want to work with and then suckering them in from there. So I've got a, I've got a list of words from a book called uh, Words That Work. It's written by uh, Frank Luntz, who kind of an interesting character. He's like a, a conservative political pollster and, you know, is responsible for, you know, changing the, the conversation from like the estate tax to the death tax, right? Like that's so much worse, like from global warming to climate change. Oh, that's so much softer. <laughs> <laughs> from drilling for oil is now energy exploration, thanks to him. But he's got this list of words that now that I'm looking at them sound kind of like your words to avoid. He specifically says customer centered or patient centered. He says, you know, accountability results innovation, which still sound kind of broad and vague. I think especially when you're writing for the web, but really when you're writing for anything, just because there's so much stuff out there, just saying, oh, we're innovative. In my experience, nobody will ever make a decision based on that. They're like, oh, these guys are innovative. Because, (laughs) well, I think most people are a bit more skeptical than that. They need some kind of proof. And also the other like 10 browser tabs they've got open are also companies saying they're innovative. So like, well, yeah, it's, it's a nice word to use and everyone wants to, everyone wants to get that message across if that is a core part of what your, of your business is about. Find another way to say it. I think it's, it's quite easy to use a little bit of imagination and find a way of getting the same message across without just saying we're innovative. How would you, how would you illustrate that? You say like, we, I, I invented a thing or... <laughs> I guess it depends what industry you're in and what your website is about. But I think it is definitely showing examples of the work you've done. Testimonials always do a good job. Even in your about page, explaining your process to how you're creative, how you come up with ideas. It's just not just saying it because anyone can say it. Go back to the accountant example. Like if you're being innovative because you use the latest software, then instead of saying innovative accountancy, you could say like no spreadsheets, no shoeboxes full of receipts or something like that. Some way of getting across how you're innovative and the difference it makes that you're not just being innovative for the sake of it. You're doing it for a purpose that gives a result 
that the reader cares about. It removes a pain point for them or it gives them a benefit. I like that example. You mentioned about pages, Mitch. What are some of the cardinal rules for a good about page? Well, the first one is don't start your about page with such and such company was founded in 1997 in Long Island or whatever it is. And it started as a father and son team and expanded from there. I think that's what a lot of people do. And it's just really dull. That's not going to excite anyone to carry on reading. We always say that the about page, it's about your mission. It's about why you're doing this, what you stand for. The point of an about page is to give people more information about you, but in a way that makes them like you and agree with you and sort of support what you stand for. Because once you've got that, then these people aren't going to be looking at the other tabs that they had open on their browser. They're just, they're going to want to work with you. Now I'm looking at uh, sidehustlenation.com slash about and wondering if I'm making these mistakes. I, I, I read yours before we came on the call, actually. I quite like yours. I'm just going to get it up now. But I think that the opener I was thinking could maybe be a bit more attention grabby, but the actual content that you've got in there is really good. Okay, thank you. I'll work on an opener or a headline or something. You know, I've heard the the saying, it's not really about you, it's about the reader. Like it's, um, you know, who who you want to serve. Do you think that's the case? Like, is it as much about them as it is about you? It is, but I think that people kind of go wrong when they hear that advice. What they end up doing with their about page is they do the same thing as they do on their homepage, which is we are passionate about helping you build your business or we are passionate about customer service. So they turn it onto their audience, but not in a very effective, meaningful way. It's just spouting out the same words over and over. So for example, oh, I had a few examples in my book that I've just written. I had a few examples. So for example, if you make cupcakes, do you believe that cupcakes ought to be eaten by adults? at night with a glass of wine or if you're an accountant for small businesses are you struck by how other accountants make things seem far more difficult than they need to be or far more complicated it's addressing the reader's needs but without just saying I've got your back or I will solve all your business needs it's about standing for something and showing how you can overcome and help your potential customer but in a more meaningful way it sounds like you're kind of subtly drawing a contrast between you and, and everyone else that's out there. Yes, definitely. And it's that's not an easy thing to do in print. Like on your podcast, you get like half an hour or, or however long with with your listener every week, and so they get to know you really well, and they get to know what you're all about. But on a on a page, you're trying to accomplish that in matter of minutes or seconds, and dealing with everything else that's competing for their attention. So it's a really hard thing to pull off. But getting that personality across is the key thing on the about page, really, because. However much you try to position yourself as being different, people are aware that there are lots of competing companies that they could be working with, all at roughly the same price, doing roughly the same thing. But ultimately, they, people want to work with people who they feel like they've got some, some kind of relationship with and something in common with. That's why on About Pages, we often include what seems like bizarrely irrelevant personal details, just because people like that. And we, we did that with a jewelry website, and the owner still gets like people calling up and referencing personal information that was on the about page because they they read it and it, it hooked them in and they appreciated knowing a bit about who he was and so they call up and feel like they already know him that's quite a powerful thing to be able to pull off like rather than kind of having a, the cold call have people calling up already kind of feeling positive towards you and that's that's the difference between just like writing the first thing that comes into your head and crafting it a little bit more it can warm like every interaction that you have yeah, kind of opening the opening the doors, saying like, hey, "This is this is me. This is who I am." One thing that's missing from my page, and I swear I had one on here before, is a picture. Like that's a huge 
oversight. Like, how come there's no like smiling picture of my smiling mug on here? <laughs> yeah. um, that's one thing yeah. that will definitely be up there before this episode airs. So, w- what about copywriting for email? Like, email marketing is such a huge part of doing business online, or even like for you know solo entrepreneurs, kind of you know beginning freelancers or consultants. Like, it's writing those initial proposals, those initial pitches, those initial like outreach messages. Any tips for people to get those read and opened and and responded to? I think the same sorts of rules apply. So don't go overboard on the jargon or the corporate cliches. But also my biggest tip for when it comes to emails is to read your emails out loud before you send them. Because a lot of the time, emails can sound very robotic. They can also accidentally sound quite rude when you don't mean them to. It's just reading through them, reading it out loud, see if it sounds like how you would normally talk to that person, because that's what you want to achieve. You want it to sound like you're talking to that person. Also, another thing that people do a lot of is they avoid contractions. So they'll say, will not, cannot, he is, I am, that sort of thing. And that's not how we really talk. So I think it's just adding in those contractions. So I'm, will, he, do that sort of thing. And just making it sound friendly, but still the same, the same points that we said about your website text, they apply to emails. And I'd also say that on a more kind of structural level, keep it short, give people one thing to do and make it really obvious what you want them to do. So it's the same kind of thing, again, like kind of spending some time to think about it first, rather than just writing the first thing that comes into your head, like think, like, what is it that I want this person to do? And just being considerate of the fact that they're super rushed by just making it really obvious what they have to do as a result of reading this email and not just kind of bury it in the middle of like five paragraphs of stream of consciousness. So I suppose the theme is it's, it's the same as, same as the website. It's just like before writing, just spend a little bit more time thinking and it'll just make everything so much clearer. And I still make this mistake now. Like I'll write something before properly thinking it through and then I'll get that four paragraphs in. It's like, what's this about again? And it's really easy to do. Yeah, I've heard of people implementing like the, uh, you know, the four sentence rule or the five sentence rule for email, like anything longer than that, it should be a, a phone call. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys get the same thing, like that uh, email that's five paragraphs deep and single space. And I, I find myself scanning through looking for the question mark. Like, <laughs> is there something I'm supposed to like answer? What do you like? And it's very difficult to do that. So it's a fine line between making it short and like including these differentiating factors, these like, you know, personality points and stuff. It's true. Um, yeah. But making it obvious, what's the next step? Like, am I supposed to reply to this? What, what am I supposed to do? On that, um, I think that that's where the subject line is also useful. I think if you're asking for someone to do something for you, then make that clear in the subject line. Don't kind of skirt around the issue in the subject line and then bury your question or your request, you know, after the fifth paragraph, that sort of thing. Just make it clear. I think people appreciate honesty. They want you to get to the point so that they know what they're meant to do. You don't play games with like vague subject lines to try and get people to open like, hey, dot, dot, dot. I'm not such a fan of that one. I think it it depends. If it's a marketing email that goes out to lots and lots of people, then you might want to try a more intriguing angle. But if you're actually just it, like if you're emailing one client or one person, then just be straight with them. Well, I do have several audience volunteers who have bravely submitted their their websites or their landing pages for uh, professional review. So let's dive into uh, a few of these and see what, uh, see if there's any common, common sins or, or areas for improvement. The first uh, I have is claimsdelegates.com. And this is uh, from Andy McCabe. Okay. So looking at this, and just in terms of layout, 
it starts with a testimonial. So the whole above the fold area is a testimonial. And it's obviously great to have testimonials and it's nice to make those prominent, but having them right at the top, it's kind of weird because I started reading it and without realizing it was a testimonial because it's only when you scroll down that you get to see the logo. So that was a bit strange, I thought. It needs to have that either tell you in simple terms what the website's about or it needs to have that hook that we talked about earlier. So just move the testimonial down and put something else at the top that tells you what this website is about. And then as you go further down, I'm still struggling to work out what it is that the company actually does. There are some words in here that seem kind of specialist and that can be okay. If you're writing for a particular audience and it's in some kind of specialized industry, then using the kind of jargon that they use is no problem at all. Because if some like random person wanders onto your website, they're not going to be a customer anyway. Right. So if that's the case, that's fine. But as just a regular person going to look at this, I still don't really understand what it's all about. So if the feedback that you're getting is that people arrive and they get it and that's fine, then that's okay. But if not, then I think there's scope for kind of just at the top of the page, just putting an extra section, laying out in simple terms, this is the service I offer, this is who I offer it for, and then move on from there. It looks like it could almost be flipped, right? So he's got the kind of the testimonial slider at the very top, and it starts out with uh, vast knowledge and experience, and it goes into the testimonial, and there's a handful above the fold. And then down below is where it says professional exactimate estimates, which that sounds like the three-word description of like, you know, the service that he's offering. And then even below that, clear claims advice and professional exactimate estimates again. So I think that's the service. You're just kind of buried a little bit below the below the fold. and then. One line that I really like is kind of hidden in this like parallax image, even lower on the page. It says repairing damage is easy. So this is like an insurance claim service. Repairing damage is easy. Putting lives back together is tough. So that to me sounds like more of a a mortified cow type of (laughs) type of thing, because it's like a little bit different than what you might expect to find. Exactly. And actually, when scrolling down the page really quickly, that's the point at which I realized what it was that the service was actually about. And then from that, I could scroll back up and think, oh, okay, and put put it into context a bit. So you could almost have that is almost your headline. Yeah. Okay. Just one other thing about this website. It doesn't look like there is an about page for this one. It would be good to have that because, again, it's that whole feeling like you understand the people who are behind this business, what their mission is, that sort of thing. A lot of that could come into their about page. Yeah, and the testimonial is talking about Andy. So it sounds mm. so it sounds like it is a, it's a small company. Andy is sounds like the founder, someone who, who's like front and center. So mm-hmm. having read all that, then you, you want to find out a bit more about who Andy is. And then the call to action on this page is uh, talk to a restoration professional. So I think that, you know, goes to his uh, contact page or that go actually that goes to his clarity page. This is a nice uh, clarity.fm plug here to, uh, to get some calls on this uh, on the by the minute uh, consulting service over there. All right. Next up, I have DarylElvina.com. And this one is going to be a little bit meta because Daryl <laughs> is offering copywriting services as well. Yeah, so for this one, I think our first impression was this is that headline, your direct response copywriter. It's not very attention grabbing. Uh, there are a lot of direct response copywriters in the world. So you need to have something in there that sets you apart from everybody else. Do you think it's a balance between SEO and copyright? Because this is like, if this is being stored as like, a, you know, the headline of the page, the giant H1 tag, and if I want to rank for direct response copywriter, like I would want to have those keywords in my title, right? Yeah, it's totally a balance. I think in our view, SEO 
is always loses if if it's in if it's in kind of competition with something else seo has to come second because if you get the people to your site but then they leave your site because they're not seeing anything other than the keywords then that's not doing you a lot of good so, okay. so yeah I, to- I totally get what you mean but i think there's there's a real opportunity the first words you see when you get to the page are so important and there's an opportunity to do more there so would you would you lead with like some result that he's gotten for one of his clients like hey increase your direct response efforts by 400% or something? Yeah, I'd either go with something a bit more wacky and attention grabbing or do exactly what you said, because direct response, it's all about increasing results to make more money in a a very direct manner. So it could just be, yeah, find out how I increased X by Y or do you want to get more results from your thing? You find out how I can help you, whatever it is, but tying it in clearly to the result. The benefit of this business is it's very straightforward. There's a very clear connection between the service and the results. And so you can kind of play off that. And his call to action is get my rates in samples. And looks like it requires an email opt-in, although it does have both an about me and a portfolio page on the site. I quite like the opt-in idea. The one thing I think is that I think at the moment the portfolio is empty, so it would be good to have something in there. There's not much text on the whole website. And I think people want to know, they want to have something that they can trust that you're actually good at what you do. So if you're not going to have much writing on the website itself, then a portfolio or testimonials or sort of examples of the sorts of results that you've come up with for other people, I think you need something so that people can put their trust in you. You could even write the entire page as a piece of direct response copy. So you're selling yourself in the same way that you would sell whatever it is your client's product or service is. If it's really good and the person gets to the end and they're they're sold on what you're offering, it's like, well, if they can sell themselves, they can probably sell my thing as well. Yeah, you can even be like, hey, see, did you get did you get this far yeah. down on the page? <laughs> hey, it must have worked. Exactly. Click here to, to buy now. Okay. Uh, so that's Daryl's uh, Daryl's site. Daryl, thank you for the submission there. The next one I have is yousoundgreat.com. So for this one, we arrived at the site and thought we understood where it was going. And then we got a bit confused. So it starts with, how can your business use audio? And then it says, how about? And it has a list of podcasts, sales pages, webinars, etc. So we thought, okay, maybe they're going to provide some sort of service that will help us do this sort of thing. We just, we weren't sure, but we thought we had an idea of where it was going. And then it ends up going in a completely different direction, which is about voice coaching, which we weren't expecting. And it took quite a while for us to understand that. Yeah, there's a kind of a a big image at the top about all the different types of audio that you can have on your site. And then below that, it says, is your voice getting in the way of your prosperity? And that seems like the headline that should be right at the top. Because then it's like, is your voice getting in the way of your prosperity? If not, then there's going to be nothing for you here. If yes, then I'm absolutely going to read on because I want to know how I can get help with that. So I just take sentence there and stick that right at the top and get and so people know what it is that the site's all about. Because it's almost like above that, you're selling people on the idea of having audio at all. And that's a bit roundabout, really. You want to get, first of all, kind of say that you identify with the person's problem, you have the solution to that problem. And then the other stuff about the benefits that they'll get from having the audio on their page kind of comes later, if at all. It looks like there's two tracks uh, of services. One is, uh, you know, the voiceover work, the done for you audio. And then the other is narration coaching. But you have to kind of read kind of the paragraph text um, on the homepage to find those options. 
Yeah, this is the thing. Like, no, nobody reads anything on the internet. This is this is the issue. Like, if you if you have to kind of get onto a secondary page or get deep into a paragraph to find out what it's all about, people are not and just not going to do it unless they're quite invested in it already. So it's all vocal coaching. Oh, but there is some audio production. Well, yeah, there's, yeah. There, you have to get quite deep into it to find out that 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 the audio production is also on offer. I think the homepage could do a, a better job of differentiating between the services and also the last website we looked at had very very little copy i think this is quite a lot of copy to expect someone to get through the image on the homepage just links in wordpress to the image file instead of moving someone forward like to like the the contact page or like the pricing and services page or anything it just kind of loads the image so there's probably an area of opportunity there maybe like you know maybe underneath that like two big buttons you know one for the done for you audio and then the other for narration coaching or if there's another way to talk about what narration coaching is like i have maybe have an idea in my head of what it is but i'm not sure 100 what that service is yeah the design and the copy really are working together to to achieve the same thing like you want to give people a clear path to go down and limited choices just make branching off where where necessary but the design and the copy have really got to work together to kind of take people on the journey that you want them to go on so maybe in this case you do split them off into two tracks about whether you want the coaching or whether you want the audio done for you but then beyond that you just kind of take people straight through abc all the way down to the eventual call to action which is going to be whatever it is and that's why like in design terms, you know, when you've got those carousels at the top, which scroll through like five different messages or whatever it is, like I've got a real bugbear with those because you're giving people so many different things and it's not clear what's the most important. And I feel like okay. it's, almost, it's almost a way of avoiding making that decision. Whereas what you really want to do is say, look, here's the most important thing. Here's the next most important thing and take it all the way through. Now on uh, Jennifer's about page, she's, uh, I've worked with clients like Delta Airlines and Kleenex. Like these are some big brands. Like, would you put those on? Like, I know this isn't copy related, but would you put those on the homepage? Like that seems like that would build trust in a, in a big way. Absolutely. Why is that buried? That, that, that's, that's front and center. <laughs> All right. Next up, and this will be our last example, is TrustMeAgain.com, which uh, redirects to a landing page on Tony DiLorenzo's site, OneExtraordinaryMarriage.com. So this one is about regaining trust amongst marriage partners. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting one. The, <laughs> the headline here is, do you really trust your spouse? Um, which is cool. Yeah. There's discover how small and large breaches of trust damage your marriage and how to handle them in a healthy way. So that's cool because it's asking you a, a question that, that gets you thinking. But if you've, if you've arrived at this page, chances are you've got there for a reason. You kind, of, you, kind of, you kind of know what you're getting there for. It's not just asking you randomly if you trust your spouse. Um, but then it's quickly telling you what it is, why it's important, why it's, why it's something you need to address, and offering that, the fact that there is going to be a solution. Then as you go down, it's, it's kind of like a sales letter. The amount of copy is just about right. So we've seen a site where there was um, way too much and a site where there possibly wasn't enough. This seems about right. There are short sentences, there are very short paragraphs, and the design echoes that as well. So the text is kind of on very short lines, squashed into the middle of the page, which keeps you scrolling. So it's building momentum as you go along. So it feels like this has been quite nicely thought through. 
We also like the, um, they've got a few personal anecdotes in there, which is really good. I mean, you don't, you want to know that the person who is going to be, it's a workshop, I think, that they're selling, that the person who's running this workshop understands what you're going through, understands what your issues are. So that bit was really nice. I think as a critique, there's some things down the bottom that could be higher up. So again, we were talking about social proof of who you've worked for, who you've worked with, and right down the bottom, it's like as seen on ESPN and the art of manliness and stuff. That could be way higher up just to kind of establish straight off the bat that they know what they're talking about. So they, the personal stuff is in there. So you know that they've got the expertise, which is great, but it's always nice to see that other people also trust in that expertise. So yeah, sprinkle that in a little bit higher on the page. We've got some, some good uh, testimonials in here as well. Yeah, they were really good. Then then the call to action is this workshop, $47 workshop, restore, renew and rebuild your foundation. That's listed a couple of times on the page. Once kind of two-thirds of the way down, actually three times, and then, you know, a couple of times down here at the bottom. This is actually quite persuasive and convincing. Like, I feel like we've got quite a strong marriage, but then I started reading this and I was like, maybe I do need this workshop. Maybe it could come in helpful. Maybe my trust tank isn't it? (laughs) It's interesting. It's not the kind of thing that we normally write, so it's interesting to see this because what we tend to do is, like, the thing with this page is if you're not ready to buy right now, there's nothing else for you to do. You either have to buy it, or you you disappear. And that's clearly what they're trying to do. I, I imagine that there's um, maybe paid ads driving traffic to this or something. They, they want the sale right now. What we tend to do is more kind of, you'd get people to opt in, give you their email address to get like a four-part course about whatever or more, more information and kind of give more education and build up more of a relationship before asking for the sale. But it is, it's always a decision to be made about what you want that next step to be because it is hard to have both. And I see why they've not done this, because if there's the potential to make the sale directly and they know from experience that they can drive traffic to this page and make sales, you don't want to distract that person who's ready to buy with another option. So it's always something to think about. What is the call to action? What is the next action? Are you ready to go for the sale right now? Or is there a smaller step, a smaller level of commitment that you can go for? Right. Considering what relationship do you have with this traffic that's coming through to this page? Do they know you a little bit already? Are they being, you know, sort of retargeting ads? Are they, you know, members of your email list? Or are they like completely cold traffic yeah exactly and you've talked about a b testing earlier and if you're going to be if you're going to be testing things the some of the best things you could you can test are the call to action and the headline they're probably the most important elements on on the site and before you start getting down to button color and all that kind of thing they're the things to work on like if people if people are bouncing off the page quickly maybe it's the headline that's a fault it's not hooking them in and if people are at, at the page they're spending some time there but they're not taking the action then maybe switching up the call to action is going to be the way to, to work on that well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. It's mortifiedcow.com and also makingitanywhere.com. We just got a new book out. It's called May I Have Your Attention, Please. If you're listening to this right around the time of its release, it'll actually be free on Amazon this week. So I'll uh, link that up in the show notes for sure. And we'll wrap it up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. So I think my number one tip is people might find this a bit dull, but I think it's read everything that you write out loud. You can pick up on so many mistakes, both grammatical and also to do with your tone and your personality. You just want to make sure that what you've got down on your computer is how you sound as a person. If that's if you want to put across your own personality in your writing, then reading it out loud before you click send or before you click publish really, really help. Rob, what about you? It's something that we've touched on already, but I think it's worth saying again, show, don't tell. 
so whenever you're so if you're making a list of the points that you want to get across like say you've got your top three things that your business does that differentiates you that your customer cares about don't just list those things out don't just say we're great we have great customer service or it's it's the best quality think about how you can actually show that that's the case it's harder work but it ultimately pays off because that's what will kind of keep people on the site or not even on the site if you keep keep them reading the brochure or whatever it is and ultimately get them picking up the phone to you or taking whatever action is that it, that you want okay thanks so much we'll catch up with you soon thanks for having us Thank you for tuning into this conversation with Mish and Rob from mortifiedcow.com. And be sure to check out Mish's new book, May I Have Your Attention, Please? It's free on Amazon the next couple of days. I'll link that up uh, in the show notes at sidehustlenation.com slash words. Now, while you're there, be sure to grab the pre- free PDF highlight reel with the extended show notes and highlights from this episode. So you guys know, I've been playing around with some various sponsorship spots at the end of the show for the past year or so, and I'm going to continue that experiment here in 2016 with some new advertisers I think will be a good fit for Side Hustle Nation. The way I look at this is it's another Side Hustle income stream experiment to test out, but it's also a way to offset some of the production costs for the show. Like this year, I'm trying to make a, a more conscious effort to remove myself from some of the processes that I don't need to be directly involved in, like drafting these highlight reel documents and actually experimenting with delegating the editing of the show for the first time in 150 plus episodes. So we'll see where that ends up. But my theory is, Doing so will free up you know, more of my time to be uh, a good dad, number one, and also to work on more side hustle businesses, content, case studies for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll see you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.